Hello, and welcome to another episode of Keep It Simple, 2 plus 2 equals 4. I am Shay Marmion of Horizon Partners Wealth Management at UBS Financial Services. I am a financial advisor and senior vice president wealth management. I am located in Columbus, Ohio. You can contact me at 614-442-6295. Today, I have a very special guest, Andy cybersecurity expert to help educate our listeners on how to stay safe online. I originally met Andy right before COVID began through a nonprofit organization which helps military veterans transition to civilian life. Over the next year, we spent hours discussing his resume and practice for his interviews for positions at the FBI, NSA, and other government organizations who protect us on a daily basis. There were numerous times that he would discuss an experience of his during this preparation that was incredibly educational for me. I was technically the mentor. There are many parts of our relationship that I would say he was really mentoring me. Before I introduce Andy, I'd like to let our listeners know that we're going to cover a lot of topics. At the end of the interview, I will provide some helpful bullet points that you can take away and use on a daily basis. Welcome, Andy. Great to have you today. Uh, so I spent a large part of my time in the military, as you know, in the Marine Corps. And then after that, got out, did some things in the private sector, in the intelligence community, uh, and revolving around cybersecurity, mostly. So I worked on different projects. So how did you get interested in cybersecurity? Um, actually, it was just one of those things that I was always kind of a tech kid. So when I realized that there was an industry based around that, and you can get paid for these kind of things. I kind of, I, I dove down that rabbit hole and uh, the Marine Corps sent me some really cool schools to learn how to do that as well. Okay. So anything cool you've worked on uh, lately that, you know, maybe some of the listeners will are familiar with? Uh, maybe the Uber hack that people have seen before, uh, 18 year old kid in the UK and, and some of his friends uh, got into Uber's Slack channel and then made it in, you know, got the, the family jewels out of Uber and things like that. And it was just interesting because he was so young and his team is also very young. But they uh, they got inside Uber and left a bunch of trolling messages for the employees. There's even a bunch of back and forth in there about the employees were like, oh, man, is this guy for real? Oh, this is great. They thought it was hilarious. They thought it was a joke. But, uh, yeah, so... That's, that's one of the more recent ones. Some of the other stuff is uh, probably still ongoing with legal battles and things like that. So It seems like they got lucky. Uh, Colonial uh, Pipeline obviously made the, made the news, uh, I guess, was it last year? Um, and they unfortunately weren't that lucky. Any comments on that? Yeah, so uh, funny enough, I was talking to the Colonial Pipeline guys uh, like three weeks before it became public. And funny story, so... I was, I was, these guys were selling some stuff on the dark web. I, I had communications with them and I was trying to, based on the information that they were giving out, I was trying to figure out which pipeline it could be. So we can then figure out how to get in front of them. The funniest part was I said, you know, I'm like, Hey, so what's the market cap of this company? And I sent them a link to like Yahoo finance and I'm, we're talking in broken Russian. And then in perfect English, these, these guys email me back and they're like, Hey, this is our job. We know what a market cap is. Here's the market cap. Don't insult our intelligence ever again. And then it just kind of stopped talking to me. And, you know, three weeks later, Colonial Pipeline was taken down. Unfortunately, we weren't able to stop that one. Um, 
I do remember a story, I guess during at the height of COVID, uh, about uh, a healthcare system. Uh, you know, you want to make comments where you're actually showing that you know the impact uh, of what you're you're doing to prevent cybersecurity and globally. Yeah, so we uh, I, I was part of a larger group, and I was running human intelligence and targeting cell inside that group, and our whole mission was to make sure that the healthcare system stayed up during kind of the initial the initial spike and then the, the run up into the COVID. Uh, the COVID crisis. And there was, in the beginning, it was the same thing as, uh, you know, hackers were saying, no, we won't attack healthcare. You know, we won't attack hospitals, things like that. But you can't believe that because two weeks later, somebody goes and attacks a hospital and then tries to take the power out or just do different things with patient information. So we made um, that group, we were in Wired Magazine, like top 30, top 30 influential groups for the year for that and stuff like that. All right. So I guess I kind of let off the interview that's where you certainly mentored me a lot in this space. Um, and it's certainly becoming more prevalent. Uh, I was just reading an article from the FBI that said that in 2020, unfortunately don't have the statistics from 2022, that there's $6.9 billion stolen from U.S. consumers. That's $2 billion more than what it was the previous year. And I think even scarier there is almost 850,000 cyber crimes that were reported in 2021. And that's a 91% increase from, from 2021. So it, it, it certainly seems like we, we're having a, a lot more problems today than what we did even just a few short years ago. Yeah, I, the numbers are only going to keep going up. It's just a, the barrier to entry gets lower. Hackers get better every day. They also get younger every day. Uh, this is something that, you know, you and I can work from home. This is something they can do from home as well. So the, as we get more interconnected, the numbers are just going to go through the roof. So in my lay mind, I look at it as there's, how are they getting the information and how do we prevent that from happening? Is that accurate? No, yeah, 100% accurate. So, what are some of the most common ways that hackers are, are stealing from, uh, or I guess getting into, you said Uber, so we talked about Colonial Pipeline, um, you know, all of the, uh, that make the news. How are they doing this? Uh, the most common way, I think, and I, the statistics will back this up, the most common way is uh, phishing and social engineering. Can you give me a, a, a definition or you know, what exactly are those? Uh, so I think the, I, the best way to explain it is just getting people to click emails and click links. The typical, you know, the old example is that I'm a Nigerian prince and I want to give you $10 million. <laughs> I just need you to send me your social security number so I can then route this money properly. All right. And then you click the link or send your social security number. You get the information over in some way, shape or form. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know who, who hasn't received one of the, the Nigerian prince stories. Um, also, my uh, grandkid has been kidnapped multiple times. And, and, and of course, my, my, my children weren't even of, of, of um, bearing age. So, you know, those were pretty easy. But it seems like they're becoming more and more difficult. You know, we, earlier this week, we had a client that was, they were going to receive the publisher clearinghouse winning. Um, so, what? How do we, 
how does a client know or how does a listener know when they're being fished? So there's there's the there's the easier ones to identify the stuff that doesn't look right, the things that get kind of you know, they get pushed to the spam folder for your your Gmail account or whatever it may be. There's the simple stuff. And then there's the other stuff that looks a little bit better and wants you to click the link. It's it's looking it looks enticing. One of the key things on it is they always put they always put a sense of immediacy or time into the fish to make you want to click on it now so you don't go do further research. The best way around this is one, you know, confirm who's sending your, you know, sending things. If it's your bank, don't click the link, just go straight to the website. Don't do any, don't interact with the message or the email. Just go to, you know, www.yourbank.com and do it that way. And certainly from my experience, they're always, they're always looking for money. It is one of the big things uh, as well from from what we've seen, right? Yeah, I, it, obviously it's all about money. It's they want you to if you if you were the you know if you were the CEO of a company, they would want access to the company. But if you're you know or if they if they know that you have access to a company they want, then they'll want access to that, and they'll go through this phishing method to then get you to click something, and that would install something potentially on your computer that they can get a backdoor in. That's one piece of the puzzle, which still ends in they want money. Okay. Um, so you also mentioned social engineering. What 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 exactly is social engineering? So social uh, social engineering comes in a lot of different flavors. It's it's I think an easy way to look at it would be just how to manipulate people and do something that you want them to do. So when you let's you know like you were saying with your grandkids that don't exist they you know hey your grandkids are in jeopardy you need to pay money uh to this bitcoin address or something bad will happen to them they're social engineering you into paying this money there's even easier ones that are just something as simple as uh if you work in an accounting department they'll say hey jan from accounting somebody might call you internally or externally and say oh hey jan from accounting just called me and she needs you to wire half a million to this account because she has to do something for whatever reason. And if you don't have the right controls in place internally in your company, you might just take that as, you know, gospel and verse and send over half a million dollars to whoever just asked you to. Yeah. We, we have to contact the, the client and the number that we have before we, we wear any money. Um, it's amazing. I know uh, another office, the um, team had received a, no, no fraudulent email from a client and they knew that they, you needed to verify and they actually called in and said, Hey, you know, and I just want to you know, verify. And thankfully the person was like, well, that's, that's interesting. I, I just talked to the account owner and they <laughs> said that wasn't me. Uh, so, you know, you, you do, you're absolutely right. It's, I think it's having those, those strict controls. Um, so, other things, you know, I just actually saw an article uh, this past uh, couple of days that, you know, Coda, the bus system is still not working um, because it was hacked back in December. I should say time uh, expectations uh, aren't working because it was hacked back in um, in December. So let's what, see, what's, what, what are they trying to do for, for there? Or is that the same thing as Colonial Pipelines? Uh, so, I mean, it's one of the same things as Colonial Pipelines, but at the same time, when you start, so depending how ba- depending how bad your systems are prior to, in this example, a ransomware attack, 
depending on how bad your systems are prior to that. And then you get hit with a ransomware attack and you have to clean up all your systems. You have to rebuild everything. If you don't have the right backups, it can just take, it can take a lot of time to rebuild the entire infrastructure. Like there's been, there's been stories about people having to take servers on the back of motorcycles and drive them across the country because there was no other way to, to get the server with the stuff they needed on it safely to the, to the new server, to the new server farm or whatnot. I mean, uh, what was it? The mayor's, the mayor's ransomware attack a few years ago, they had to, they had to send someone to Africa from the UK with a, with a hard drive in their hand, meet someone else at the airport, flip the hard drives and then fly back and then go back to their other office. Well, that's uh, an int- incredible story. I guess it's also showing that I, you know, how integrated the world is and, and where uh, the cloud really is located. It's truly global. Um. So, so we talked kind of ransomware. Yeah, another big one that you hear is is identity theft. How often is that something that you you see or deal with, or is you know ways that we could, should you know, just I guess kind of explanation. What do you see? What do you see for identity theft? We see identity theft happens all the time, and the hard part is. It's out of it's out of your control for a majority of for a majority of reasons. One is your information that you're just your basic information, your name, your birthday, your you know where you live, things like that. Half of it is either public record now that somebody can Google online, or it's been you gave it to a company at some point in time, like Equifax, for example, and uh, they got breached, and then that information just it's out there. So it's a lot of it is out out of your hands. The identity theft happens. So one of the, in my opinion, one of the easy ways to at least slow down that process is to keep your credit frozen and keep a lock on your credit, which you can do through one of the big three. And yeah, I definitely want to touch on that a little bit more here, I think in the second half. But I guess the other one that we hear, it's, you know, or it seems like every once in a while we hear are viruses. Um, you know, can you please give us a, a better rationale or explanation of what, what's going on there and, and what do we see? With, with viruses and just malware in general? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the bad guys are getting a lot smarter. They're getting a lot better, and they have time to develop things in a much more structured environment now. So a lot of the risk, you say, you know, well, I'll put it on the cloud. I'll go with Amazon. I'll go with Google's cloud. I'll go with all these things, Apple's cloud. You put everything on the cloud. However, the cloud is just somebody else's computer. So it's all still very hackable and the bad guys take the time to do their R and D and develop capabilities that can get them, you know, get them into the cloud or any, anything else for that matter. All right. Um, anything that we're, we're missing on how I, I'm sorry, actually, I forgot one more. Um, by the way, I'm going to be cutting out a couple of these parts <laughs> as I'm going through here. email. Yeah, you know, the number of times you, you get email like, hey, please don't accept this. My email's been hacked. You know, please don't accept yeah. you know, something. My Facebook has been hacked. You know, is this just other ways that they're trying to social engineer to get control of other people and or, or like spoofing accounts, that, you know, other things that you talked about earlier? Yeah, it's just another way to social engineer people, giving you that sense of immediacy like, oh, my email's been hacked. 
please don't accept any emails from me. And then you might reach out to that person. You might respond to that email. You might do something, but just, just the same kind of thing. Like uh, another one actually that is, yeah, it's getting, it's gaining more prevalence, which is uh, they'll send you a text message or an email and it'll say, uh, Oh, I've got your, the Airbnb you stayed at last time. I've got the hidden video camera of you in the bathroom on there with, with someone. And then they, they just explain that and say, here, click this link. If you want to see the video. And that's, that's a dicey question. Some people click the link. You obviously should not click the link. It's just a interesting way of social engineering people into clicking the link. What other um, stories are you seeing or, you know, like that, that people should be aware of? I've mentioned the publisher's clearinghouse. We, unfortunately, we had a, another uh, client who's was informed that her son was uh, kidnapped and, and she saw that and, and we have good family friend, you know, same thing. Daughter was kidnapped and, and they knew it by name, the daughter's name. And, and, and thankfully she immediately called her daughter and said, you know, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, mom, I'm fine. What are you doing? She's like, well, I just got a call that you were kidnapped. Uh, so besides that, what are you seeing on ways where people or hackers or really thieves are getting access to, to clients accounts or, you know, like that, like that story that you just gave. So it's a lot, it's a lot more of the same. It's if it's, if you're a person who is a high net worth individual, then they will target things specifically to you because they know the, the, the better that they target you and the better they social engineer you, the higher the likelihood of the payout is. So it'll be things about your kid's high school or where they're going to soccer practice after the fact, or, Hey, just their soccer coach, they need you to send them some money because they want to buy dinner or something like that. Or, I mean, it could be, it could be a, you know, an amalgamation of things, but it's safe to say that the more access and the more money you have, the bigger the target you are and the more they will focus on what they need to. Thanks, Andy. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, I think that's actually a good segue into how to, protect yourself because we're getting into that social engineering and what they're doing. But before we do, I just want to say, if you're enjoying the interview, please subscribe. Uh, We're trying to educate our clients, our um, constituents to help prevent, you know, their, these issues in their life. Uh, You know, just looking at those stats. So even if we um, prevent one person from, you know, losing their, their net worth, or we're educating you on how to plan. This is what we're here for. So, like I said, please, please subscribe. We'd love to have more listeners. So, Andy, anyway, how to protect yourself? You talked about social engineering. Uh, you know, what is what are some of the what are top two or three ways to protect yourself from having that happen? So, again, the top the top way. The easiest low-hanging fruit is to just lock your credit so that you give them less things that they can do for for your personal access. But the social engineering piece, it, a lot of spam emails and things like that, the filters are getting better. Gmail is getting better. Everybody is getting the defenses a lot better. One, limit you know limit the things that are out there about you so they, don't, they can't learn things about you specifically. So limit your footprint, your presence online. I know that's hard because nobody really, you know, you want to be as engaged as you can online. Okay. But with that said, be, be as engaged as you can without trying to give out any personal information or anything like that. 
or if you're going someplace, send, you know, post the pictures after the fact. Don't do it while there, things like that. Yeah, actually, I, I told my wife when when we were in Italy in, in October, I said, you can't post any pictures. And she's like, why? I said, no, th this is unfortunately one of the common ways to, uh, the hackers find out information. And, you know, it's better to be at home before people even realize that you, you had been gone. Um, exactly. All right. So other things I'm starting to see a little bit more uh, com passwords. So it, it seems like the new password that I receive is 42 characters long, has exclamation points, you know, you know all this kind of gobbledygook. Um, you know, is that really necessary for even some of the more mundane websites that, you know, it's... It is, it's good to, you know, it's good to have really complex passwords. It seems like it's a pain. If you have a password manager that you can trust, then that'll alleviate some of those problems. But you really do need complicated passwords. And the old days of reusing your password of, you know, my password over here was my old address. And that was the password for like 30 sites. That's what you definitely can't do anymore. Because as soon as one gets breached, the, the bad guys have program on top of program that automate that let's say you know like your last pass or your your uh, last fm the old radio station or the old online radio station you have the same password for that as you did for your gmail the bad guys will just run their automation programs and it will automatically try to go from that email account from your last fm account to your gmail account and it'll test it automatically so it's not like people have to plug this stuff in anymore it's very automated so password reuse becomes a huge issue even if you even if you use a password from 15 years ago that you still have on some site today which i mean we're all guilty of i'm still guilty of this that's i mean without a doubt and in some ways that's good to hear because it's actually one of my new year's resolution is to re reduce the number of old passive uh, passwords uh and unfortunately sometimes i'm like wait i gotta Login and password for you know some of these sites that I can't even remember, and you know because I only go in you know a few times a year. Um, yeah. So if I, I if I am having a hard time even remembering some of the, the websites, or you know because I've only gone into it and, and I remember that I, I do have a password, how how do I remember all uh, all of these? You know what what should we do? So you need a password manager. It's the best way to do it. Uh, Apple has a password manager. Google has one. LastPass is one. Uh, Bitwarden is another one now that's very popular. Um, well, it, it's interesting that you, you mentioned LastPass, um, and I guess that, you know both Apple and Google. I mean, how how secure are they? Because I just saw recently that LastPass had been hacked. Yeah. So the LastPass hack, they took. It, this so this is the interesting part, right? So all of your passwords are saved and they're encrypted. What they took from LastPass was all of the encrypted passwords and the password bolts. So in the future, I mean, this is, you know, not to, not to get too off the rails, but in the future when quantum computing becomes more common and, you know, that future is the next five to ten years, they'll be able to break that kind of encryption with a quantum computer so those passwords will be able to be read at some point in time without the need of the master password that unlocks all that stuff. However, with that said, I mean, some of the LastPass stuff we got out there is going to be pretty uh, pretty dangerous out of the wild. So 
how do how do we be sure that we're safe? Or you know, what other one? I'm. I know the one time I was talking. I guess a couple of years ago, you you recommended one that was only in my my laptop. Or it's actually on my laptop uh, that I'm not even going online. I mean, do you think that is a better way to protect yourself and and all of your your information from from hackers? Yeah. So KeePass XE, it's it's a method. It's not as if you're if you want to be safer, it's the best way because it's stored offline and it's stored on your computer. However, it's not easy to use. It's not intuitive. If you want to put it on your cell phone, I think there's an app for it, but it's a, it won't it won't cross over. If you need if you need to access something on your phone, that you do on your computer. So then you run into things like this. The problem with LastPass, but at the end of the day, you you know if you assume that something's going to get breached, if you just work under the assumption that you know somebody will get hacked at some point in time, that's probably just a better a better way to deal with it. Just keeping it off. I, I, I will tell you, I'm sometimes a little nervous that it's only on my laptop. You know, it's you know what, what happens if my my lap goes do- laptop goes down. Um, you know, it's so that is a concern of mine. You know, what what's in you think just trying to have it on an app on your phone so you have that backup or, you know, just backing it up on a external hard drive is or thumb drive. Is that your best solution? Uh, it's probably not the best solution. It's the most secure solution. That's, I mean, that's what I do. I keep a backup. I keep a backup on a drive. And then if anything happens to the laptop, I can restore it from, you know, the previous day's backup. But it's a real, it's a real thing to consider. The new thing is, so Bitwarden is kind of the replacement that everybody's using instead of LastPass right now. And the reason, the logic behind that is Bitwarden is open source. So anyone can go read the code and people are saying, well, I'll put my faith in the community. And that there, if, if there is a problem, someone will find it before the bad guys because all of the code is public. Okay. Um. Switching gears here just a little bit. Um, the other thing that's uh, VPNs, virtual private networks. Uh, comments yeah. on on using a VPN uh, at, from my personal standpoint. So always choose them when you're traveling. If you ever if you ever connect to a hotel network or anything like that, you should always outside your house. You should always use a VPN so people can't. Uh, sniff your traffic or see what you're doing or sending or receiving like passwords and things like that. However, there's depending on which VPN you're using, you have different options. So like Proton VPN is one extreme for very, for very privacy focused folks. And then you've got things like Nord and other VPNs that are a little bit, a little bit less uh, privacy focused because those, those companies will uh, log your, your browsing history or whatever. The upside and downside of both is if you use something like a Proton VPN, Google will see it and Google will just lock you into this cache loop, this cache loop forever. And it'll just keep making you solve caches. So you have to go use Bing or something like that. But you'll see a lot of companies start shunning your, your access to their pages. Amazon, if you use certain VPNs that they don't like. Uh, yeah, I started uh, with a VPN actually you know, sometime in the second half of last year. And I do know that yeah, you know, to, to get access to my Ticketmaster account, I need to disconnect from the VPN, 
you know, but before I can download it. But I guess I my thought is it's it's better to be safe than, and have that frustration for that website than and just kind of be out there in the open. Is that the right attitude? Yeah, one hundred percent. Use the VPN. The VPN will cover you for like you said, you know, everything but Ticketmaster, your banks, and things like that. So use it for everything else so nobody can see it. Okay. Um, I guess any other. Kind of comments on, on, on VPNs or, you know, how we protect or what else we should do to protect ourselves from, you know, from, from hackers, in, you know, locally or preventing, you know, malware since we've brought up that. Anything else that we could have from, from a browsing a computer issue that we should so, know about? I mean, oh, there's so many. I mean, the list, the list never ends of things that we need to know about to protect ourselves. One of the one of the ones is uh, all these browser extensions that people want you to get. They're like, oh, if you get the blah blah discount browser extension, it'll search the website. It'll search the web for all these discounts. And you just you know, it'll get you ten dollars off this and ten dollars off that. Don't do that because it puts too much stuff on your computer. So just the browser plugins are one thing. Any anytime somebody tries to put something on your computer, be, be very skeptical. One hundred percent. Is is that maybe just the rule of thumb? Be skeptical when people are. You know, phishing or, you know, in the end also, you know, trying to put stuff on your computer, you should just lean towards no. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just lean towards no. Default to no. They're like, hey, you know, we've got this great thing. It'll speed up your computer. Yeah, don't do that. That's not a real thing. <laughs> so maybe we can boil most of this conversation down to just say no. Yeah, like yeah. like Nancy Reagan in the night, you know, just you know, we can bring that back you know, from from the nineteen uh, eighties. Just say no for for everything when you're online. Exactly, McGruff the crime dog. Just say no. All right, fantastic. Um, earlier you kind of brought up, uh, you, you kind of went into credit reports, you know, and and obviously I think from from our standpoint. Yeah, how do we protect ourselves from a financial standpoint? And we both have young kids, so uh, I'm I'm hearing kind of whispers out there and what what things are going on for even impacting our kids and, and their futures. So, what do we do from you know that that standpoint of of, of protecting that ID theft? Let go visiting that topic. Here. So there is so this is this is where the this is where you actually have to put in some uh, some ground, not groundwork, but just some effort in, in, at the individual level. So one, you can do things like freeze your credit. You can do things like trying to minimize your presence on social media. Obviously, you don't you don't need to you know put a bunch of stuff on social media. Limit that. Go through, scrub it every so often. Do it for your kids. Same thing. You need to make sure you know go to websites like HaveIBeenPwned.com and see if your email address shows up on there. And if it does, then you know, consider throwing that email address using a new email address. I'm sorry. One away. What was that website again? I didn't feel like I didn't get uh, that entirely. Have I H A V E have uh, have I been pwned? And they spell pwned uh, P W N D. Now, is that just that pwned? Is that just a term on on taking someone's identity? Yeah, pretty much. It's yeah, it's like old hacker lingo for. For owned, you got owned. Okay, like I said, you know, this, so, this is educating you know the, the lay people who aren't who don't live in that world. Then 
you know, just trying to be helpful for our listeners is, is the main part of that. You know, we want to we want to educate you. So if you do hear some of these, you know, the verbiage, you know, please contact us. Uh, I can reach out to Andy. We can, um, you know, help educate you even further. You know, after this podcast to prevent some of these. And I think this is a really important one. You know, it, it's making sure your data is not out there. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's free and this, uh, so all of the good guys that, that go out and find breaches and stuff like that will send all the information to this site. This site then catalogs it and it'll tell you, it doesn't give you a lot of details, but it gives you the details you need to say, oh, my information from this, this, and this was exposed. So now I need to start thinking about how to minimize that information. So sites like that also, there's a, there's a great site. It's called uh, IntelTechniques.com. He has a guy named Michael Bazell is one of the, the best privacy resources. And it, most of it's free. One of the best resources out there. Highly recommend him. He's kind of the, uh, you know, he's, he's like Yoda in this space. But he's got a workbook on there that'll tell you, you know, you, all you have to do is copy and paste through the workbook and it'll take all these sites that have like the binverifieds.com of the world that have your address, your name, your kids' names, your phone numbers, all that stuff on there. And somebody can pay $20 to access it. He's got the, he's got the workbook on there on how to take all that stuff down and essentially just keep removing your private information from the internet to what degree you can. Okay. Um, other things that I see out there, firewalls, you know, what's the importance of having a firewall, uh, on your, uh, computer as well? Uh, I mean, so firewalls are, I mean, they're the standard nowadays. Your windows firewall is always going to stay on. Everything has a built in firewall to it. I think people put, to be quite honest, I think people put too much reliance on what a firewall can do. Because there's a lot of ways, there's a lot of ways to get past them. One of which is via email and social engineering, which is why. So, so from an attacker's perspective, if you, for whatever, like Windows firewalls, you're not even allowed to take a take it down without going through a lot of steps at this point. However, if your computer doesn't have one on it, then I can launch attacks, uh, you know, from from anywhere. And if you have open ports and things like that. That's how you do it that way. However, the way you get past firewalls is phishing via emails. And then once you click on the email, it's already on the other side of the firewall. Or if you open like a malicious document or something like that, it's already on the other side of the firewall. So people who are over-reliant and I have a firewall on, you know, don't think it's going to save everything. Well, I think it gets going to goes back to, you know, just say no when, when you have any reservations on what's being asked of you. And, and it's a way to protect your, your firewall as well. It's, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Your firewall should always be on. I mean, everything, yeah. It's... All right. Uh, anything that you see, anything else that you're recommending that we, we haven't touched upon yet that my listeners should know about? Oh, there's about a million things they should know about. Now, I, I will say this. In the last, uh, since the end of November, there's this thing called ChatGPT. And if, if you just, if anybody wants to Google ChatGPT and uh, social engineering or phishing emails, it shows you this free program that uh, researchers and probably hackers too 
are using to use AI to generate scripts for uh, for phishing attacks and social engineering attacks. And it just shows you how easy it is, as well as the future capabilities of it. Because you just essentially tell this thing, I want I want X, Y, to Z, and Z to happen. It, it does it, everything for you. So this is just going to make phishing, social engineering, that much difficult to decipher which really true and not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's going to make it, like, there's, uh, you know, how you, sometimes you'll get a really good phishing email, and it's like, man, is this real? And then you'll, you'll notice how the English is a little off. Right. And you're like, ah, okay, all right, no, because this, this sentence structure isn't correct. Now imagine if you do that with AI and it will it will complete the sentence structure 100%. So what's the future of this industry to keep us safe then? Uh, so the, honestly, the future of the industry is there's a large behind-the-scenes effort that goes out to uh, find every one of these emails that it's coming from and what are the bad guy IP addresses and things like that so they block them before they ever get to the consumer. So that industry is just going to keep growing and growing and growing. So it's using AI, not you know, to protect us as well. Not not just on what you mentioned of of breaking through these complex passwords. Now we're going to use AI to protect us. Yep, one hundred percent. All right. Um, I guess the other one that you know, as you're talking about that, uh, it's something that I see more and more as. Can we send a, you know, link to your phone or, you know, to verify that this is accurate? And that's something obviously we didn't touch upon. Is this another way that we're going to be able to beat some of this where every time you log in, you're just going to have to expect two-factor two identification? Yeah, I completely, I, and I glossed over that earlier about two-factor uh, authentication and just how important it is and how you should have it on everything. So just... In, in as well as having a password manager, separate passwords, things like that, put two-factor on everything because you really do need it. Because it's one of the it's one of the best last hopes for for your personal security. But like yeah, just like you're saying, you're going to need to put two-factor on everything. But then they do have the ability to spoof uh, spoof uh, SMS texts and things like that. As a matter of fact, that's how the uh, that 18 year old kid got into Uber. Is because he was sending one of the one of the developers these uh, these text messages saying, "Hey, you need to reset your password. Hey, you need to reset your password." And he must have sent it to him like eighty times. And they asked the developer after the fact. They said, "Well, why'd you click on it? You know what's happening." And he's like, "I just got tired of getting the damn text message." And wow! It. And he clicked on it, and then and then the whole company got out. And he that was his response. He was like, "I just got tired of getting the text message." I yeah, you know, I guess it shows you know. Yeah, you, you, they're going to be persistent, and and we need to be vigilant to to prevent this from happening. Yeah, and and two factor is the best the best last hope for now until somebody comes up with something better. Andy, I I really appreciate your time uh, here on a Saturday afternoon. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I hope that everyone enjoyed the conversation with Andy. Before I end, I just want to remind you of a few key takeaways that you can incorporate into your everyday life. Like Nancy Reagan, just say no. If someone wants to add anything to your computer or sends you an email or a text asking that you do something, remember, just say no. 
If it's a company that you use, go to the website. You know that you're in the right place. Keep you safe. You're outside your home. Use a VPN or virtual private network. A virtual private network will provide a secure connection online and not let anybody else into your computer. Three, use a password manager to help with complicated passwords and don't reuse them on other sites. Use two-factor authentication. Companies have adapted these to make sure that no one is impersonating you. Finally, review your credit report and freeze it if you're not going to use it. This will prevent anyone from opening a new credit line without your knowledge. I hope you found this helpful. If you have any additional questions, please reach out to me. This is another episode of Keep It Simple 2 plus 2 equals 4. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. It does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any specific product or service. UBS does not provide legal or tax advice and we would recommend listeners to obtain appropriate independent professional advice. Some of the views and opinions expressed may not be those of UBS Group AG or its affiliates. UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. These services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS Group AG and is a member of FINRA and SIPC.